We're going to begin with verse 12, Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Tonight we're going to talk about believe it, say it, and receive it. In other words, you believe it in your heart, you say it with your mouth, and you receive it in your life. So uh, healing is received with your heart, with your spirit. Just like any other thing you receive from God, you receive it with your spirit, and then it's manifest in your body. All right, so then, this uh, verse, verse 12, says, And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing a fig tree far off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. If you're going to hang around with Jesus, you need to listen to what he says. Right? These were his disciples. And uh, Jesus had 12 disciples. He had three main disciples, Peter, James, and John, that he revealed things to that he didn't reveal to the others. But in this case, it says the disciples heard it. Well, Jesus, it says, spoke unto it or spoke to the fig tree and said, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. In other words, the fig tree had a purpose, and that purpose was to bear figs. Wasn't it? Well, Jesus spoke to the fig tree and said, No man eat fruit of you or thee hereafter forever. From this point on forever, no man will eat fruit from you. So this fig tree has now lost its purpose. Well, Jesus had a purpose. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might what? Destroy the works of the devil. Sickness and disease is a foul offspring of his father, Satan, and his mother, sin. So Jesus had a purpose to destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, to destroy the devil and to destroy the works of the devil. The last verse that I quoted was in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15 there. Jesus' purpose, his reason for coming was to destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Well, then, the devil had a purpose, didn't he? The devil's purpose was to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Because Jesus said the devil came or the thief came to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. That was his purpose. He was a thief. He came to destroy people's lives. He came to kill. Well, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Right? Well, then Jesus spoke to that fig tree and said to the fig tree, No man eat fruit of you hereafter forever. In other words, your purpose is thwarted. Or your purpose is stopped. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy, dissolve, loosen, that's what it means, dissolve, loosen, to undo the works of the devil. 
So then, you have authority as a believer, as we will get to here, you have authority to speak against the devil or the works of the devil. You have authority over the devil. You have authority over the works of the devil. Now, the works of the devil are prevalent in our world. The devil is present in our world. And so we have to resist the devil. That's why the Scripture says resist the devil and he'll flee from you, right? It says give no place to the devil, neither give place to the devil. All right, so then we resist him steadfast in the faith, according to 1 Peter. So uh, we resist the devil. We have authority over the devil. And how do we do that? We do that with our words. But not just words, but words of faith. Jesus said, to the fig tree, notice again, to the fig tree, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. So then, again, the purpose of the fig tree was thwarted, and so we have authority over the devil to stop the works of the devil in our lives. Amen. All right, so let's go down to verse 20. And on the mor- in the morning, as they passed by, verse 20, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So the next day in the morning, the day after Jesus has spoken to the fig tree, the next morning they pass by, they see the fig tree dried up from the roots. So then this fig tree has experienced uh, a death. So much so it is now visible. Just overnight, It is totally visible. It's dried up from the roots. So the thing looks dead, is dead. So they said, they noticed it, and then, of course, they remembered what Jesus said. Jesus said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Ever in verse 21, and Peter calling to remember it, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. So when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he didn't say blankety blank, 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 blank. He didn't go beep, 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 beep. No, he simply said, no man eat fruit of you hereafter from this point forever. What he said came to pass. Amen? Amen? So, what you say will come to pass. Go further here. Verse 22, Jesus then explains to them what has just occurred. And what they need to do in response to what they have heard and seen. Because Jesus never does anything, or God never does anything just to say he did it. He did it with clear divine purpose. So Jesus said, in verse 22, Jesus answering saith unto them, when they said, uh, the fig tree that you cursed is withered away, Jesus said, have faith in God, or have the faith of God. Or other uh, renderings would say, have the God kind of faith. So all are true. Have faith in God, obviously, if you're speaking, then your faith is then in God. And it is the faith of God because it came from God, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 
And it's the God kind of faith, or it's the faith that God uses. Just like Jesus used faith to speak to the fig tree, it's the same kind or brand, if you will. So it's the same kind of faith. So you are speaking with the God kind of faith, and you have the God kind of faith. So he said, have faith in God, or have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. And he said, this is the way faith works in verse 23. This explanation is like so central to how faith operates. So Jesus said, whosoever, in verse 23, for verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So we can say whosoever shall have whatsoever. Whosoever shall have whatsoever. Or we could say anybody can. Anybody can do this. Because it's whosoever. And uh, there used to be an old, and still obviously is, there's an old gospel song. Whosoever, a phrase is whosoever means me or meaneth me. All right, so whosoever means me. Well, understanding that whosoever means me, then... That means this applies to me. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Well, so Jesus is giving them clarity that not only can I speak to the tree, but you can speak to the mountain. I spoke to something, and you can speak to something. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. All right, so we can talk to the mountain. And so the mountain, of course, represents something that would stand between you and the will of God. Something that would stand between you and the promise of God fulfilled in your life, whatever that might be. So it's not just running up to Mount Charles and say, to the mountain, move. If you want to go to the mountain, maybe start with Lone Mountain. It's one little mountain out not too far from my house. Lone Mountain. All right, but when, when it comes to the mountain here, Jesus is really talking about something that would stand between you and the will of God, you and the promise of God fulfilled in your life. So he said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, so you need to identify what your mountain is. Not ignore the mountain, but identify what your mountain is. You can't speak to something if you don't know what it is. So then speak to it in the name of Jesus. It helps you to identify what your mountain is so that you can speak boldly to it. Say to the mountain. Well, what do you say to the mountain? He tells you what to say. He said, be removed. Be removed. In other words, you were there and you have to move in Jesus' name. Be thou removed and what? Be cast into the sea. So used to be visible. You're no longer visible. You used to be Manifest in my life, but you're no longer manifest in my life. You are a past tense. In other words, it does move. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou what? Cast, cast into the sea, thrown into the sea. And then he says, And shall not doubt in his heart. Shall not what? Doubt in his what? Heart. So faith is of the heart and doubt. So he says that he shall, he shall believe in his heart so that it's understood that you're believing with the heart. Well, you believe with the heart, 
right? You believe with your heart, and you say it with your mouth. Now, three times in this verse, because the next phrase says, and he shall have what? That's a pretty wide range of things right there. I mean, he shall have whatsoever he saith. There's so much power in words and so much power in faith in God and the God kind of faith and utilizing the words of faith. Paul said it this way, we have in the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore what? Speak. So there's power in your words. Proverbs 20 says, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall what? Eat the fruit thereof. In other words, whatever fruit comes, it is a result of your words. So if you want to change the fruit in your life, or you want to change the uh, things that are occurring in your life, you want to change your words. And uh, if the devil does bring a mountain, you want it to move, you got to get your mouth moving. Your mouth moving will get your mountain moving. Your mouth moving will get your mountain moving. Because the mountain is there to intimidate. The mountain is there to tell you to back down. The mountain is there to try to get you to quieten down and shut up and just say, well, the mountain is there. I just got to accept the mountain. No, you don't just have to accept the mountain. Jesus gave you authority to say to the mountain. To speak to the mountain. And he said it operates with the God kind of faith or the faith of God or faith in God. He just simply said have faith in God or have the faith of God. And now he said this is the way the faith of God works. That you are to believe it in your heart and you are to say with your mouth. You're to talk. Now, there are too many scriptures in the Bible that tell you this principle for us to ignore it or for us to just be lax about it. This is the way faith works. This is the way God did it, and this is the way you have to do it. This is the way Jesus did it. This is the way you have to do it. And he explains it very clearly here that this is the way it's going to work for you just like it, like it worked for him. In Genesis chapter 1, God said, and it was so. And he 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 said, and it was so. In creation. So if you say what you believe in your heart, and notice three times Jesus said the word say or saith, and one time believe. So Brother Hagin said the Lord told him, you'll have to do three times as much teaching on the saying part of faith than you do the believing part. Because my people are not missing it in the believing. They are missing it in the saying part. Well, that's generally people that have been taught faith. They're, they believe the right thing. And if you've been around here any length of time, you've been taught faith. So you believe the right thing. But you can't just have believing alone. According to this verse, you have to believe and speak. Right? So believing is essential, but also speaking. You can't have results that you want to have just by believing alone. Neither can you have 
the results that you desire by speaking alone. Both are important, believing in your heart and saying it with your mouth. Because you could say it with your mouth and not believe it in your heart. Or you could believe it in your heart and not say it with your mouth. And neither one of those are going to work by themselves. The best is like you, you have loose wires. We're not exactly sure. If we were, it would be fixed by now. But just for example, you know, we've had this thing that's, you know, the mic is working and then the mic is not working. Something is not working right. Signal is somehow not working, right? All right, so in your life, if something is not working, you got to figure out what's not working. And when you figure out what's not working, you make the adjustment. In other words, if you're missing it in the speaking part, and he said, the Lord told him, that Hagen said, that my people are not missing it in the believing part, but in the saying part of faith. Now, if Jesus emphasized three times the saying part in one verse, it must be important. And I'm going to say that again. If Jesus said it three times in this verse where he's explaining how faith works, it must be important. Because Jesus never wastes one word, much less three words in the same verse. He never wastes words. So when he said it, he meant this is the way it works. And I need to emphasize this because this is primarily where people will miss it. And if there's anything that needs to be, James said, it's an unruly evil. Talking about your tongue. It's, he said, no man can tame the tongue. No man, but with God's help, you can. With the Holy Spirit's help, you can, you can change your, your words. You can, you can re. Focus your faith and you can speak in line with the Word of God. And when your mind wants to go somewhere else, your spirit says, this is what I said. This is the Word. <laughs> so then you're able to hold fast to the confession of your faith. All right, so he said, you got to say it, but you got to believe it. Believe in your heart and say it with your mouth. So this is how faith works. So we'll see a few examples this evening. As far as uh, depending on how much time we're able to uh, get this out, how much it takes. But let's just go to one right now in Matthew uh, chapter 8, please. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and we will begin with verse Five here in this passage, Matthew 8, verse 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching us. <coughs> now, if you've been to Israel with us, some of you have, you know, we visit Capernaum. So here we are, Jesus sit, Jesus comes here. In verse 5, when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came to him a centurion beseeching him. 
petitioning God or Jesus and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of a palsy, grievously tormented. I mean, this, this servant of his is grievously tormented, and this guy is petitioning Jesus regarding his servant. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Don't you love that? Jesus just, I mean, it's not like he knows this centurion personally. It's very unlikely. He doesn't know this servant. But Jesus said, I will come and heal him. So he heard this desire from this man. Just an asking, a petition. Uh, He's just telling him what happened His servant is at home sick, and he's grievously tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. He didn't say, well, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. That's very sad. In other words, he didn't just have pity on the man and just say, well, I'm very sorry, and show empathy. And I mean, uh, that would be good. It's okay, but it's not sufficient to get somebody healed. But he said, I will come and heal him. Jesus emphatically just said, I will come and heal him. Well, obviously, he believed he could, right? And this man believed he could. But this man believed something that not everybody did believe. Let's go further. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Speak the word, Jesus, only, and my servant shall be healed. You don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word only. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. What did the guy say? He said, okay. He's just telling Jesus the situation, the circumstance. Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. And now Jesus has given him an opportunity. And this man says, Jesus, all you have to do is speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Now, for the most part, as a uh, minister of the gospel, uh, primarily the Lord uses me. Primarily, not the only way, different manifestations of the Holy Spirit over the years. But primarily, when it comes to healing, I lay hands on the sick and minister healing in that way. Not only just the general believer, believer can lay hands on the sick, any believer can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's what the Bible says in Mark chapter 16. Any believer can do that. Anyone that believes and is a believer can lay hands on the sick and the Scripture says they shall recover. So it's not just for evangelist, just for a pastor, just for uh, someone who uh, has a special anointing. Any believer can do that. But then there's special anointing on uh, people, and it was on the Apostle Paul. Special miracles were done by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were taken handkerchiefs or aprons, and they were laid upon the sick, and demonic forces left, and, and people were healed in their bodies. So there's a special anointing, and a special anointing that you could have to lay hands on the sick. And I believe that God has anointed me with a special anointing to lay hands on the sick. That's one way. 
But Dad Hagen, Dad Hagen used to say it this way. When he laid hands on the sick, he said, one way, not the only way that God heals, one way that God heals the sick is by the laying on of hands. But he would always say, not the only way. Brother Hagen would always give instruction or teaching. He was a teacher and a prophet. So, but he would teach and he would give instruction when it comes to whatever he was doing, he would explain what he was doing. And generally, if he was even casting a demon out of somebody, if he's doing it publicly, he would explain beforehand what he was doing so that people would not go batty and try to do the same thing just like he did it. Like some people did, a whole, a whole uh, generation when I was a teenager, they got on a kick of casting out de demons, and all these certain ministers were uh, just promoting it, and it just got, you know, as a, when I was a teenager, they were promoting it, and it got a little rampant, and people went a little batty with it. And so, uh, you know, everybody had a demon, and everybody was needed the demon cast out of them. You know, we got a really pro big problem in the church if every, every Christian has a demon, or four or five of them. Well, you know, but it got to the extreme. Well, Brother Hagin uh, was not an extremist. But some people, they get on a kick and they take it to the extreme. Uh, so, anyway, that's what happened. Well, then it came around again. It came around again. Then it came around again. And it'll be around again. The devil does things in cycles. He'll try one thing, then he'll try, and try it again, and he'll try it again, and see if he can hoodwink the body of Christ and see if they'll fall for it and go to the extreme. But Brother Hagin always said, don't get in the ditch on one side or the other. In other words, don't take spiritual things to the extreme or don't get in the ditch of sin on the other side. Stay in the middle of the road. Well, anyway, so enough said about that as far as I know. So uh, he was, uh, he would say, one way, not the only way that God heals is by the laying on of hands. In other words, there's a lot of different ways that God can heal the sick. Lots of different ways. God can heal the sick by the laying on of hands. He could uh, have a manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of healing. And notice in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, gifts of healing, plural, many gifts of healing. And so uh, he could uh, utilize the word of knowledge to bring uh, a word of knowledge to somebody that would inspire faith in their heart to believe, to receive, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in that way, and healing could be manifest. So it could be uh, 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 a lot of different types of manifestations. It could be, as Jesus in some cases would just speak the word in this case. And so my reason for explaining this or going into a little bit of detail is that this was one way that Jesus healed. He healed this man through just speaking the word. Because that's what the centurion said. Notice Jesus did for him what he believed and said. I said Jesus did for him what he believed and said. Jesus 
works with your words. He is the apostle and high priest of our profession. So Jesus works with your words. So if you believe something different, then Jesus would work with you on that level. And if we have time, we'll go to a story of that, of that nature as well. In other words, they believe something else. But this person believed Jesus. All you need to do is speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Just by speaking the word of faith. Sometimes it's joined together. The woman that was bent over for 18 years, she could in no wise lift up herself Jesus, Jesus spoke to her, and he said, what? Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. Eighteen years. And it says she had a spirit of infirmity. In that case, there was a spirit that had inflicted or afflicted her body. Not in every case, but in that case. So, he said... Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. That was a specific word to that woman. Woman, you're loose specifically from your infirmity. So then, this woman had a word of faith that came from Jesus. Well, Jesus coupled it, in that case, with a laying on of hands. Then he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight. Immediately she was healed. So in that case, both were utilized. The word of faith and also the laying on of hands. In this case, it was simply a word of faith. Jesus speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. That's what he believed. That's what he said. And that's what he received. Let's go on. All right, so. Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed, for I am a man under authority. Having soldiers unto me, and I say to this man, I am a man under authority, and I say to this man, Go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. I am a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. I'm under authority, and I'm in authority. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And I say to this man, come, and he comes. I say to this man, do this, and he does it. So he was a man who understood authority. No one understands authority who is not under authority. To understand authority, you have to be under authority as well as in authority. Because when people lose understanding of being under authority, they get diverted or misguided in their so-called authority. So then, he said, I am a man under authority, and having soldiers unto me, I say to I do what? I say, I say. I say to this man, go. I say to this man, come. And they go and they come or do this. And they do it. I say to them. So in other words, the way authority is exercised is through your words. And so the man said, I understand authority. 
This is the way it works. So all you need to do, Jesus, is say. Speak the word only. And I love the phrase because it leaves no, no room for question here. If you believe the Bible, he just said, speak the word only. All you need to do is speak the word. Speak the word only. We, we don't need all the other fluff here. I just need a word, clear word from God. Speak the word and my servant shall be healed. So there's so much power in the word of God in the mouth of a believer. Now, we just talked about in Mark eleven twenty. Uh, Three, with the surrounding verses, Jesus exercised his authority and spoke to the fig tree. And then he said, this works for you. It works for anybody. Whosoever will say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. So the speaking part of faith is the release of your authority. If you want your mountain to move, you've got to get your mouth moving. If you want sickness to move, you've got to get your mouth moving. Jesus sent his word, or God sent his word in Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and what? Heal them and what? Deliver them from their destructions. In other words, the word of God spoken releases God's healing power. He sent his word and it healed them. And I said it healed them. Send his word and heal them is what King James says. One translation, I believe it's Fenton, says he sent his word and it healed them. In other words, more specific, the word is a smart bomb that destroys the works of the enemy. The word of God spoken will release the power of God in your life to explode and dis demolish what the devil has tried to do in your body. Praise God. So, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them. So, getting the word in your mouth. And we see that this is not just uh, Jesus' authority. Jesus is telling you, you can do this. You can do it, in some cases, for other people. But you can do it in every case for yourself. I'm going to say it again. You can do it in some cases for other people, but you can do it in every case for yourself. Faith works for you anytime that you apply it. Other people have to give you some access. In other words, they have to be willing to believe your words as well. Or believe in the power of the command of faith. So, you can do it for other people sometime, but you can do it for yourself all the time. So, he said, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, he goes. To this man, come, he comes. This man, do it. And he does it. And what happens? In the next verse. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Now, if Jesus could marvel, 
something, you know this is a big deal. He marveled at this man's faith. I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. I haven't found anyone that had this kind of faith. This kind of, he called it, great faith. I've not found so great faith. He said things like, oh, ye of little faith. Or why is it that you have no faith? Thank you, Jesus. So faith could be little. Faith could be great. There could be, in some cases, no faith. Or, Paul said, ever-increasing faith. And Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing or faith comes or grows by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. So, in this case, Jesus said, I have not found so great faith, which tells me Jesus was always looking for faith. He's always looking for faith. And everywhere he went, wherever he found faith, he, re- he responded to it. That was just the life and ministry of Jesus. Wherever he found faith, he responded to it. If he found unbelief, what did he do? He could not do many miracles in his own hometown, so he began to teach. Teach the Word. And he taught the Word so that the Word then would produce faith. So uh, faith comes by hearing. And when you hear, then it brings healing. Just like when you hear, it brings other things like salvation. When you hear, it brings healing. Well, in this verse, he said, I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Let's go down to verse 13. Verse 13, and Jesus saith unto the centurion, go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. As you have believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. As you have believed, so be it. What did the man do? He believed, didn't he? Why would he even come to Jesus if he didn't believe? He believed something. He believed Jesus had the power to heal. But he believed something else, and he said something else. He said what he believed. He said, Jesus Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. Jesus, that's all you need to do. No need to come to my house. Not necessary. Would be nice. Have you for the afternoon. But that's really not what I'm here for. I believe, Jesus, all you need to do is speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. So he believed that in his heart. He said it with his mouth. And Jesus said, as you have believed, be it done unto you. Right? Again, go your way as you believe, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. So Jesus said, whatever you believed, whatever you said, that's what you're going to have. It was done. How simple can it be? So Jesus spoke the word, and really he agreed with that man's faith. It gave him the authority in that centurion's life, and it gave him the authority in his servant's life because that servant was under his authority. Like you can believe for healing for your children because they are under your authority. 
You have a great authority in your own family because they're in your family and they're under your authority. In a local church, if people are under my authority, then I have a greater authority to speak the word of faith than I have in general, to people in general. Why? Because they're under my authority, under my care, and so I have authority in their life. If they are submitted to my authority, then I have authority to speak into their life. And if they don't submit to my authority, what I speak and the authority of my words can go right past them to somebody else that's under my authority. And it happens all the time. In other words, if they respect the authority that God has set in their life, then the word of the Lord will hit them right in their spirit. And if they don't, it'll go right past them and go to somebody that will. In other words, the word has to be received. It's not just automatic. God never wastes a word. I said God never wastes a word. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, again, that's in my realm of authority. Well, then, when it comes to your life, you always, that's why I said earlier, that you as a believer, sometimes you can exercise your authority in someone else's life, but every time you can exercise it in your life personally because you have authority in your own life. You have authority to give God, the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son, the, the Lord Jesus. You have authority to release their power in your life at any time, any moment, any place, no matter what the circumstance may be. It's, it's available to you. You have authority. Everybody say, I have authority. Now, authority is throughout the body of Christ. It's in the pastoral gift. It's in the offices, other five, uh, four uh, offices that are in the uh, church, set in the church by the head of the church, the Lord Jesus. But authority is in every believer. Every believer. So understanding how to exercise your own personal authority in your life and then, of course, receive the authority that's over you and receive the anointing that may be uh, flowing through their life to you, well, that's important as well. So both are important to exercise it personally because there are times that, you know, those people in, uh, in authority over you are not with you. I remember Dad Hagen, he would go to, uh, and I remember this certain minister that he was uh, preaching for, and he had, uh, in that particular case, he had uh, diabetes. And Brother Hagen said, while I'm here, you will not have those symptoms. I'm just telling you what happened. He said, while I'm here, you will not have those symptoms, if you'll agree with me. And sure enough, he didn't. Supernaturally, the authority in Brother Hagin's life, and that man gave him access. Well, a lot of authority is determined by the receiver. It is not just on the one who is speaking, but Brother Hagin had great authority, and he knew his authority as a believer. One time when he was coming into town, You know, someone invited him to come and uh, cast a demon out of one of their children who had been possessed with a demon. 
was living in a room in their house, and his mind was all gone. He was messed up in his mind. He lost his mind. And Brother Hagin agreed to go and, and pray for him. You know, you mess around with sin long enough, it'll mess your mind up. And so that's what happened. So he's, he goes, he agrees to go and gets to the house. And when he goes in that room, that, that man spoke up, a demon spoke up in that man and said, I saw you when you came in town. He described what road he came in town on. He knew exactly what route he took, and he, exp- and he said how he came in town. In other words, the devil knew and demons knew when Brother Hagin showed up. Well, that didn't intimidate Brother Hagin. The devil spoke up, tried to intimidate. Well, that didn't intimidate. He just recognized that he knew that I came. In other words, he had enough authority that demons recognize. Remember when... Uh, the seven sons of Sceva, they were trying to cast the devil out of somebody. And the demon spoke up in, in and through that man and said, because they said, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, and, and uh, when they were trying to do that, the demon spoke up and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? In other words, they knew, those demons knew, those people didn't have any authority. But they also knew that Jesus had authority, and the name of Jesus had authority, and they also knew that Paul had authority. And they also knew that demon in that man in that bedroom that had no clue naturally where, where Brother Hagin came in at and how he got there. But demons knew. So Brother Hagen, they knew. Are you with me? So the devil recognizes that you have authority. And if you recognize it, the devil has to obey your authority. I said the devil recognizes that you have authority. And if you recognize you have authority, the devil has to obey when you exercise your authority. Because when you resist the devil, the devil has to flee from you. Are you with me? So the man said, I am a man under authority having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to this man, come, and he comes. And to this man, do this, and he does it. And Jesus, all you need to do is speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. There's authority in your words, and there's authority, thank God, in your words. Can you say amen? amen. So if you want to exercise authority over sickness and disease, you've got to speak to sickness and disease. You've got to speak to weakness and command strength instead of weakness. Hallelujah. Lester Somerall said he lay his hands on himself. If you don't have somebody else to lay hands on you, it would be a good thing to practice it yourself. Hallelujah. So lay hands. He'd lay hands on himself. And he said he would command strength in his body. And Billy Brim said, the man doesn't sleep. In other words, he called Billy Brim. He said, I need a book done. 
This is years ago. Lester's in heaven. But uh, he said, I need a book done, and I need it by this time. And she said, well, I can't do it that fast. He said, if you work night and day, you can. <laughs> You'd have to know his authority. He spoke real bold. He said, if you work night and day, you can. In other words, you're going to have to work with me right now. You're going to have to get on my energy level somewhere because we got to get this book out. Thank you, Jesus. You can't do that all the time, but you can do it sometimes. 